Hey, I'm Tommy Chong. Welcome to High on Homegrown. Yes, yes, everybody, and welcome to High on Homegrown, the cannabis podcast from Percy'sGrowRoom.com. In this week's episode of Grow Guides, we're talking about using organic amendments in hydroponic systems. And there's loads of different bits of information in this episode, including some mentions about KNF techniques as well. That's Korean natural farming. So if you haven't heard the episodes with Chris Trump before, who explains what these Korean natural farming methods are, make sure you go check out some of those. You can also check out Chris Trump's YouTube channel. Just search for Chris Trump and you'll find loads of videos on how to make JMS, how to make lactobacillus and all sorts of things like that. And you can also head over to our cannabis forum at percysgrowroom.com. Sign up for free and ask any questions if you need any help at all with anything that is mentioned in this episode. But for now, let's get on with the grow guys. Already yourself a fat one. Get your pen and paper if you need it. And enjoy this episode about organic amendments in hydroponic systems. And I'll speak to you at the end of this. See you in a bit. But yes, this week we're on episode 78 of the Grow Guide. So we've covered so much stuff now. It's 78 episodes all to do with some kind of form of cannabis growing. So there's lots of stuff out there for you to look up. If you're new to growing, then head back to episode one and make your way through it, man. There's loads of good shit out there. It's 78 hours at least of content for you to learn how to grow cannabis in lots of different ways. But today we're going to be talking about using organic amendments in hydroponic grow setups which isn't done very often because usually when you grow in hydroponically it's a sterile uh, medium a grow medium like water cocoa a, a soilless medium anything like that and you usually don't use organic amendments because the organic amendments tend to use microbes to get the uh, to break down the nutrients and then feed them to the plants so microbes don't live happily in sterile environments as you all know so this is what we're going to be talking about today. Is it possible? Should you do it? Could you do it in some mediums and not other mediums? All kinds of things like that. We're going to get to the bottom of it today. So to begin with, there is some benefit to using organic amendments in hydroponics, right? It just depends on the type of medium because the bacteria increases the flavor of the grow, allegedly. Right, right monkey? You do this well, kind of stuff. Yeah, and you definitely hit hit the nail on the head there. It depends upon the type of grow uh, that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, while I am not an expert on DWC, I've been told by someone at the site who is a very experienced in DWC that under no circumstances should you consider your organic amendments in DWC. Now, mm -hmm. if you have a way of doing that, we would love to know over at Percy's how it's done, because I, I know this person is interested in, in learning if it can be done. But so I'm just saying... If you have it, fine. I'm not recommending you, you try this in DWC. But yes, you can use organic amendments in cocoa because cocoa is a drain-to-waste system. And that's the big key right there, drain-to-waste. Organic amendments have microbes. Microbes are going to continue to multiply. And you have to, you know, in soil systems like that, that's okay. But in hydroponic systems, something's got to give here. So we need to make sure to be able to move these microbes through our system correctly and dispose of the waste and not let these microbes reproduce abundantly in like a DWC system to where now you've got rot and other things coming into mm -hmm. the system. So and what matters most there is the, it's the air, isn't it? you got to use like an air stone and stuff. As long as there's air being provided to the medium, then the bacteria is aerobic bacteria. So it's, that's pretty much the good bacteria. But once you cut off the air, it starts to go bad and starts to smell funky, right? It's, you, can, you might say that, but no, there are other, there's certain bacteria even within uh, that system. You could put, if you put certain organic inputs into a DWC system, even though you're bubbling the system, you will still facilitate root rot. The pythium will still mm -hmm, come in mm -hmm. there. Uh, it's just... Uh, it's it's a strong bacteria and it's something that it can't be tolerated. But in cocoa, it's different because in cocoa, uh, the, the microbes don't set up set up shop and try and multiply as much. They they're being run through the system, and I, I replenish my microbes on a regular basis in cocoa. I'll, weekly, I'll, I'll have a new microbe solution that I'll, I'll flush through those things, and, and you know I'm using different kinds of teas, and these are commercially. Uh, purchase concentrate teas and things like that that i'm adding to the cocoa system and all these things it's very very different it's it was 
well, I was going to say kind of controversial because I I learned how to grow cocoa. I, I realized I could get good sized plants. I was interested in getting more flavor out of them. And so in a conversation with Chris Trump, he said, sure, try it. And now here we are. Right, so right. yes, you can use you can use the organics in in uh, hydro, but not all hydro is mm -hmm. the answer. Mm. So let's start mm. off with here. What are organic amendments in the first place? What could you use in hydroponics? Lots of things. I mean, yeah, Do in hydroponics, one thing you can use by all means, like we uh, there's a biobiz organic biobiz line, and I know that that is effective in cocoa. Uh, we had a, a, a member, James, that used to run BioBiz and his cocoa systems mm -hmm. all the time, and it runs quite well. Yeah. So, yes, you can use organic fertilizers in cocoa. Uh, I think I started with Fox Farm Nutrients, and there's one of them in there. I think it's called uh, Grow. It was a Big Bloom or something like that, is it? Or no, there's one of them that's a, it's a guano base, but it's organic. But it works well in cocoa because, well, it, it's ideal for cocoa. The waste is, is flushed out. It's, mm -hmm. you know, that, that's the deal with the, with the drain to waste system is that once you get this organic there, it, before it becomes a problem, before it mutates, multiplies or anything like that, it's moved on. Yeah. And it's something you're experimenting with recently as well, isn't it? But you got some uh, organic amendments in your cocoa. Yeah. So I'm having a mess around with a little bit. I mean, I've always, I've always used a little bit here and there just as a, you know, for shits and giggles. Um but I, I do use a um, an organic seaweed-based fertilizer for my root growth early yeah, on. Very um, that's always going through. Um, but again, it's cocoa, so I have that medium to buffer it a bit. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I suppose the new the new thing I'm trying, I'm playing with some of these Aptus nutrients, um, and they do have a pro line that is it's it's all organic um so and they reckon that that's okay for like it's designed for cocoa um so i'm i'm working on getting some more of that to to give it a full proper run and see how it goes but i've used you know worm teas banana teas things like that um and they all seem to give me a, a decent boost um and the plants seem happier so but just it's it, you, there's a yeah, it's a trade-off. At the end of the day, you go. There's going to be smells and things going on in there. Um, if you're not clearing out the the wastewater quick enough, you're gonna have you're gonna have some stank going on in there. Mm. Um, so you get that scum built yeah, fast. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. When it looks like there's a dead turtle in your runoff trays, oh, that's, uh, oh, that's, that's not a good sign. Like, <laughs> I've never had it that bad. Disclaimer: not not happening. That's pretty bad, man. <laughs> What are yeah, you saying, Marge? No, have well, you ever done something like this? Because I know you're usually an organic grower. You usually live in soil. But you've done DWC in the past, and you've grown in cocoa recently, haven't you? Yeah, well, my cocoa grow was sad. <laughs> <Just a bit. laughs> and I did not use March. any organic amendments. Maybe I should have. Uh, but no, I don't think I have. And from what I'm hearing you guys say, because I was less, like, I don't know if everyone's like clearly defined organic amendments, because it hmm. sounds like seaweed and like, did you say mm -hmm. bubble hot, like banana peels and like all this stuff in like a bottled liquid form that you'd be using versus yes so normally if i'm doing a banana tea i'll actually um soak like bananas in in like a hot water and leave mm -hmm. it for usually i'll go for anywhere between sort of three to to seven days and then i'll strain it and then i'll i'll pour that over um i usually mm -hmm. use it sort of later in flour as a bit of a pk boost um, mm -hmm. and it seems, it seems to be happy. Um, but the, the one thing I haven't done, which monkey's doing is messing with the, um, lactobacillus and stuff like that. And it's something I want to do, uh, but I'm lazy and I haven't actually <laughs> bothered to go and buy some yogurt and some milk and done that yet. So, right. so organic amendments then are just organic things that you're using and yeah, yeah, like natural yeah. materials that is right. used as a plant food. And that can be like compost or compost. You know, you mm -hmm. can use that kind of stuff, like using a compost tea like and things compost like that. Tea. Yeah. yeah, the, the most mm -hmm. important thing is the microbes, though. That's the, uh, because these kind of foods can't be broken down and be made plants available easily right. without having the microorganisms living in the medium. That's the important factor. So right. you need a little bit of both. It's like uh, Bubble said, he's using the seaweed extract and stuff like that. And how plant available is that, Bubble? Do you know? 
Uh, I'm not sure exactly how how available it is, but it. I mean, I I find if I'm using it versus not using it, I'll get a, a much faster growth rate. Um, and the roots, like I'll see the roots pushing out the side of the um the fabric pots pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, I, so I would say it's fairly available. Um, but I mean, again, I don't use a heap of it. I'm only yeah. using just enough to sort of. It's the same as using um. Oh, can of cocoa has one. Uh, is it the the not the rhizotonic? Rhizo- yeah, yeah, rhizotonic. Rhizotonic. rhizotonic yeah. yeah, so same same idea. I just use a cheaper version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you can get that stuff in Stoop, uh, Super Thrive is 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 a really cheap version of it. Uh, uh, yeah. Sea Yep, there's lots of them out there. Mm-hmm. Which I also do use that. It, it works really really well. It has growth hormones in it, natural occurring uh, growth hormones that speed up both root and foliar growth. So yeah, yeah. early and, on and yeah, when you sorry, good Michael. stuff. I said early on in veg, it's very, very good stuff. Yeah, and you mentioned there as well the word foliar. And, you know, this is an important thing to point out as well. You can use these organic nutrients and the organic amendments, foliar feeding onto your plant, you know, like the, the compost tea, worm tea, shit like that. You can foliar feed that on any of your plants, whether it's in DWC or living soil. You know, that's fine. We're talking specifically here about stuff that goes into the root zone. So if anybody is growing organic, uh, growing in hydro and want to use some organics, then give it during veg only. Don't spray shit on your flowers, but you know you can use uh, compost teas and stuff like that if you're foliar feeding. But yeah, you can also back, use. Uh, I sorry, Mike. I said, bro, while you're on that though, going back to what Woody cautioned on this one, I'm going to go straight back to what he said though. If you're using the sprays on your foliage in DWC, be extremely careful not to get any of that spray in any of your resins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because mm. it will it will cause a problem. Mm-hmm. And what you're specifically looking for as well when you do it when you're looking for the uh, you know when you go into DWC and the water based hydroponic systems like Ebb and Flow NFT DWC those kind of mediums that have the roots suspended in water any any kind of organic amendments you you use need to be water soluble as well so it properly dissolves into the water. So then it won't break up any of your pipes and your air stone, them kind of things, because you don't want any, and you know, these pumps that pump water in and out of the reservoirs as well, they, they'll clog up all of your pipes if you use the wrong kind of nutrients. So if you're going to mm-hmm. use the organic stuff in mediums like that, make sure that it's water soluble. That's an important factor. But there's um there's some good types of, microbes you can add to the medium as well you know like eco thrive you've seen this stuff before you got microbe tea what was that other stuff that had a um the, i don't know the specific a company called eco thrive makes some good stuff and you can put that into the water and that's water soluble and it will be good for a little while but it's just after a while it might start to get stinky and it can get frothy as well you know with all the bubbles bubbling away if it makes a little film on top of the water you start to get a lot of bubbles gathering and that can become a problem as well so then this is why it's recommended when you're growing in full hydro like that in full water systems you just keep it simple man don't start adding too much shit to the root zone because it'll just cause you problems man it's better to just keep it sterile using your h2o2 shit like that you know, make sure your air stones are pumping, just feeding nutrients it has. But when you're using the soilless mediums like ruckle, clay pellets, cocoa, these kind of things, then it gives you more of a chance of using these kind of organic nutrients in there as well. And it might improve the flavor. We spoke about this on the um, the increase in the terpenes. Right. Uh, on and that's, the plant. that's why I started experimenting because, you know, mm-hmm. after you, you learn cocoa and you can get the yields, then you want a little bit more. And so... I started asking around and, and everybody that I asked said microbes. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yes, yeah. start easy and then keep adding different ways. Just evolve with it. Just so <laughs> what kind of benefits are we looking at for using organic amendments in Ooh. the uh, grow? Uh, what do you think well, are the benefits of, of doing this kind of thing? What is it worth the risk? Well, I don't know if there's a risk really. I mean, there, there is a cost to it, I guess, because I am having to source these different things. Um, I mean, first of all, I started easy. I found something from Botanicare that was called organic tea extract or a concentrate or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. So I got it and I used it and I noticed immediately that the plants responded to it. They just seemed to be happier and more tolerant of, of uh, swings back mm-hmm. and forth, you know, one of those things like that. 
Yeah. So then I found the next one. So first, first few things that I used, what basically what I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to tell everybody is the first started organic things I started to use were purchase bottle things, not something that even took time to make. So there's mm-hmm. some things out there that you can actually buy uh, in the bottles that'll help you. Things like like the uh, kelp stuff that Bubble Hawk was talking about, uh, uh, different root tonics are out there. All of these things are organics. And when you start adding these things in addition to the salts, Yes, you will see faster mm-hmm. growth in a lot of different areas because the uh, the microbes are working in, in combination with the plant in a symbiosis with the plant to allow the nutrients to, to be harvested freer and, and easier for the plant. So the plant grows quicker. Mm-hmm. And it also yeah, acts as, as like a little bit of a sump, if you will. The plant has like a little organic backup. If it runs out of yeah. the salts, it's got a little something else. Mm-hmm. That's an important point to note is that it's it's an addition to not yes. yeah not yeah. just that or taking something away to add this in it is yeah. an additional thing so. right that's, that's right yeah yeah good point man you don't want to be just using these organic nutrients because it might not work if there are not enough microbes in the medium to break down the organic matter to make it plant available plants not going to be able to get it hence the term plant available you know, it's not going to be available to the plant. So you need the microbes there and they don't thrive so well in hydroponic mediums because the microbes, they need stuff to eat, the, the organic matter. So if they don't have that, then they're just not going to thrive and be in the numbers they need to be in to keep the plant happy. And I was told that the microbes can help chelate and, and uh, feed these, even these salt nutrients to your plants. Yeah. This, mm-hmm. is, uh, mm-hmm. this is what Chris Trump was saying when I started using the JMS, that yes, the, the uh, JMS, the microbes will help your plants eat even the salts faster. And it works. So by all means, it, it's worth a try. But there's got to so be more that. shit available to your plants as well. We've mentioned it many times before. When you're using just salt-based nutrients, you're looking uh, around 20 to 25 different elements that are going to be available to the plant from the, from the salt-based nutrients in the bottle. It will tell you on the bottle what is available to the plant. But when you're using the organic stuff as well, it goes up massively. There's more like 80 different nutrients that are going to be available to the plant, you know, and it will double up on some of the nutrients. Like there'll be more nitrogen, more phosphorus, potassium, but they have minor things in there like uh, the zinc and the rhodinium and all of these crazy little things that are available to the plant that are not available to the plant if it's only salt-based nutrients. And that can right. in, that can boost the plant's immune system because of the microbes in there as well, especially if it's local microbes from like your own compost pile, that's going to improve the plant's immune system, which right. wouldn't be there if it was just salt-based nutrients in the hydro you were using. So that's an which important Which sounds factor. like to me, the organic amendments are like full spectrum Whereas the yeah, yeah. Yes, all these nutrients are your mm-hmm. distillate of the nutrient world. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man. Kind so of are you, on, on that point, are you, monkey, are you feeding the microbes with anything as you go along? Or is it are you just refreshing the microbes with fresh microbes as you bit being that you're running a drained waste system? Well, yeah. different things with now the most of the stuff, some of these amendments, the commercial stuff that I bought, the teas are claiming to have microbes in them, but I don't count on those because you know not how long they've been on the shelf. I haven't cultured them, anything like that. So what I'm considering microbes or the tea, other teas and uh, stuff that I'm adding, lactobacillus, JMS, uh, worm tea, compost tea. And mm-hmm. what I have been doing with that is early on, I don't, well, don't do too much. I'll inoc- usually inoculate the seedlings somewhere around two or three weeks with a little batch of maybe JMS. If I don't have that available, I'll use the lacto. But uh, I'll get that into the root zones. And yeah, you can see a difference in that. And then at flip is when I'm actually starting to add more microbes. Mm-hmm. So I'm still you, using, adding... a, I'm using a lot of oh. organic amendments early on, but I'm not using a lot of microbe amendments. I'm using the, the, the kelp, the root starters, things like that, which are all organic based materials. But I'm starting to get into the microbes at flower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, du- so during flower, are you feeding any type of any type of carb load or anything like that to to give them a boost? No, not really. What flower, I do no? once a week. Uh, I'm usually, when I'm in flower and cocoa, uh, you and I grow similarly. I usually feed twice a day in flower yeah. with cocoa, morning and then you know mid afternoon, something like that. And uh, one of those during the week, I have two. So during the week, I'll have 14 feedings. One of those 14 feedings on a specific day, let's say Wednesday night, Wednesday afternoon, those will be my microbe days. So every Wednesday okay. afternoon in flower, 
uh, one of the feedings will be just microbes. I don't know if care if it's JMS, WormT, lactose, something, but it'll be something in there. And I found that even uh, you know standard cocoa uh, watering to runoff, and even it being just microbes in there, I'm not having any deficiencies because of it. Nice. Okay, so you're not you're not adding those to an already fed solution. You just you're just adding microbe only as like a secondary feed through the day. Yeah, my, my theory on that is, you know, after the pots are somewhat dry, I want those microbes to kind of colonize what they can. And so yeah. I didn't want to add them to the salts or dilute anything or add anything else to them. And yeah. if, it, if it failed, I would, I would have changed. But it seems to be working, and it seems to be working pretty well right now. <laughs> the plants seem to be feeding, and I'm, um, I'm right now running lower ECs than I've, I've run before. 1.1 um, in flour and cocoa max wow. okay and so yeah and the, and the buds are still getting you know plenty of bud swell and things like that but because i'm adding a lot of other organic amendments in there things such as teas and things like that you know you can look at the, the quote-unquote guaranteed analysis on these teas and, and it'll be like 0. 0.5 0. 0.5 0. 0.3 something like that but there's mm. like mackie says there's a lot of other good stuff in that tea that they're not telling you about that the plant mm, is eating all that other good stuff and that other good stuff is not salt-based. It gets stuck in the medium somewhat. And so even when I'm not feeding salt that day, that afternoon, it, there's plenty in there to eat. Boom. There's a pocket. There'll be a couple pockets hanging around. For sure. You know how it is with cocoa. It takes you know, a couple of, if you, if you miss a couple of feeds, you can really tell it. But if you miss one, you're probably going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's just, I'm oh, just curious because you've, um, you know, again, I'm just lazy. That's why I haven't given it a crack but it's um it is something that i wanted to mess around with but i've just been you know that that's been my main concern is that you know i'm pushing what 1.5 ec yeah. in my runs at the moment and that's because i'm trying to go lower but i am seeing a lot of issues with as you bump into flower that lower that lower ec you tend to suffer on calmag um and, and i'm still having to add more calmag on top than what I normally would. So are you seeing that you're getting more availability across the board with that? Like, is it, are they obviously much happier getting those um, bio amendments in there and they tend to be more available, like your, your CalMag and everything's more available to the plant? Probably, but I, I treat CalMag a little bit differently than you. When, when you actually break it all down, we're doing the same thing, but I'm just doing it with two pieces versus your one. And that is I'm using WCA uh, calcium solution, you know, uh, basically eggshells and, and vinegar dissolve yeah. the, the uh, shells. And what you end up with is just of calcium course. ions. What kind of water. vinegar there, monkey? What kind of vinegar? Well, do you if use you to... wanted to keep it organic, <laughs> use apple cider vinegar. If you want to get cheap, just use white vinegar. It doesn't really make any difference. Any vinegar is going to work. AKA okay, monkey vinegar, right? Monkey vinegar works. That, that's the cheap white <laughs> vinegar. You know, the stuff you can get for either a gallon for just maybe a dollar, that kind of stuff. But yeah, yes. Takes about a, a put the eggshells in the vinegar, dissolve it, take leave it sit for about a month, and then uh, strain everything off. And that solution, I'll use. Uh, like if I, if I'm using a five gallon bucket, but it'd be 19 and a half liters or something like that, uh, I'll put 20 mils of the WCA and 20 mils of CalMag in there. So you would probably go 40 mils of CalMag, but I'm yeah. splitting it because usually because I'm using rainwater, I know that what I'm missing is the calcium. I'm not missing the yeah. magnesium. Water doesn't usually have a lot of magnesium in it. So yeah, I, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm adding the calcium back to harden my water, but I'm not adding the magnesium back, and that seems to be working for me. And by using the WCA, I'm just a little bit more organic, just a tiny bit more. Right. Okay. Interesting. And it's cheap. You know, CalMag's expensive. Eggshells are, are free. Yep. Right. That's a great point. Hmm. Grind them up and let what? the worms eat them, and then use some compost tea. That's another good way. Oh, to they get go that in there too. Mm. Uh, they go in my compost bin as well. I put them through a coffee grinder and make dust out of them. And then, uh, yeah, I, I actually use maggots in my compost, but yeah, right. they love it. Do you have your own chooks? My own what? Excuse me? Chooks. Chickens. No, no, no. no. Chooks. Sorry, it's an Australian <laughs> term. Chook. <laughs> you lost yeah. me on that one. I was like, what? Yeah. I'm glad no, you asked monkey because I was like, wow. <laughs> no, I don't I don't have chickens, but no, uh, I you have black soldier fly larvae. Yeah, a lot of people do feed that to the chickens that they would love it. 
Yeah. No, I only asked because you you know you you're talking about the eggshells and that, and uh, like I I don't eat enough eggs to be to have a heap of shells hanging around. You don't need um, to help a heap. You know, just a handful of shells. You can make WCA with a you know a dozen, two dozen eggshells. Tell me, you can eat a dozen or two dozen eggs. Use that in, in a month or two. Okay. All right. Yeah, you, you don't need a lot. You're convincing me. You're bringing yeah. me around, monkey. <laughs> well, look, you live. I know where. I know approximately where you live, and I can tell you also. You can also use shells. Uh, you know oh, what? I could shells. use. I could use oyster shells. Exactly. It's calcium oh. carbonate. Same thing. Oh, I didn't want to say oyster point. or clam or anything, but shells work the same. Oh, mm. Mm. We we harvest eating. oysters pretty much all the way up the east coast. There you go. <laughs> it's, we, it doesn't. We really, much. Yeah. I was just making a joke about how bougie that sounds. He's like, yeah. I <laughs> what, oysters are bougie? <laughs> yeah. Just, it depends on where you are, but it sounds yeah, that's when, right. you, yeah. when you live near the coast, oysters, you're just like, oh, it's oysters, you know? They're yeah. everywhere. Yeah. They're everywhere. Rocks, everywhere. If you're in the UK, don't don't listen. Don't go anywhere near the coast without like hazmat suits on because there's loads of shit in the water. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't eat stuff out the fucking ocean here. Oh, God, wouldn't damn. those oysters then if they get shit in there. Mm-hmm. We don't want to eat them oysters. <laughs> no, so so back back to coke to uh organic amendments. No, but in in the coke I start with I start with the organic WCA in there, and then I put in my salts, and then I'm, uh, when the plants are young, I'm using only the uh comp the comp uh, concentrated compost. What is it called? Comp Compost tea concentrate, I believe is what it's called. But I use that when it, when they're young with the salts. And then when it comes into flowers, when it gets good and interesting. And that's when you want to start adding the good stuff, the JMS and everything else in it like mm-hmm. that. And that organic compost tea, that's the off-the-shelf stuff that you use. It is. It's, it's botanic care. And, you know, it used to be called organic compost tea concentrate. And now it's called organic based. So I guess oh, somebody yeah. called them on one of the ingredients or something like that. And right, okay. I'm not saying this is the best stuff in the world. I'm actually looking for an alternative right now, but it's it's pretty good. Um, it's it's a, always uh, good to try and make your own uh, like compost and, and yeah. compost tea and, because it's just got the local microbes in. Like, that's the best thing to do. You know, buying it from the shop is a good option if you don't have any other options. But considering yeah. you've got your own compost and shit, man, then uh, give that a shot. Make it yourself, you know? Yeah, but this is like this is a concentrate. This is actually they made the compost tea and they dehydrated to put it in a bottle. And theoretically, you got the enzymes and stuff like that, and supposed to have some of the microbes too. But I understand the microbe load's not going to be there. But you see, Mackie, it plays into the lazy factor. And I'll admit, I'm just like Bubble Hawk. There are days when I don't feel like doing it, you know. But this mm-hmm. makes it so that I can open the bottle and just do it. And it's you know. So when and you're making use, your JMS, so what do you use? Because you're supposed to find some locally sourced, uh, like leaf shit, and you know what I mean, the, the stuff that's on the top of the surface near the trees, mm-hmm. and you put that in the sock. Yeah. You, you, when, you, when you're using JMS, you're using local microbes, aren't you? Oh yeah, I definitely yeah, using yeah. that. I mean, I live on enough land that we have plenty, plenty of places with leaves laying down, and plenty of places mm-hmm. of. of uh, land that's pretty much undisturbed and so yeah with using jms you just basically you may take a couple of baked potatoes and squish them in into a bucket of water and, and there's a process and i'm not going to go through the whole thing like that where you're adding the uh i'm not going to call them moldy but let's say, let's say uh fungus infected leaves the leaves with the white stuff on it mm-hmm. as well as some soil underneath there just a handful or two of that into it and then you're just basically making a soup the microbes will breed in, in the starch that's in the water. And then you have a super microbe solution that, that you're ready to feed to your plants or anything else like that. This that that solution is heavy, um, heavy in the in the bacterial colony side and not so mm-hmm. heavy in the in the fungal side. So, but it does work. And, and I was very, very surprised the first time I fed that to the plants, thinking like it's no big deal. But when you come back in the next morning. And every leaf on the plant was standing at attention, you know, like, whoa, this is good. Because, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. Bubble, you know how it is sometimes you open up a cocoa grow and the plant's just kind of lazy. You know, yeah. it's, just, it's like not really excited today. It's kind of like having a lazy day. Just and taking I mean, a day off. Exactly. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. it happens in the grows. And it's like that. after you grow up, you open, you pretty much understand sometimes plants go through cycles. Well, the JMS seemed to wake them up at, at that slump pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. Dank Dixie uh, just brought something up here in the chat, which is 
it kind of segues us onto the next question here as well. Are there any challenges in using organic amendments in hydroponics? And he brings one up there. He says he has his own uh, chickens and duck muck and garden Ooh. waste, but feel mm -hmm. too paranoid to use the composting grotents because of the bugs. And that's a, that is one of the problems there, man. Is when you're using a full living soil and stuff, you might get bugs, but there's this whole micro herd and all different kinds of stuff that's keeping everything balanced out. So you might not see bugs so much, but if you're just introducing one particular kind of bug or microbes and, and got the eggs in the, in the uh, organic matter as well, then you do have a potential of those eggs hatching in the grow room and getting onto your plants. So be careful of things like that. You, it, you might have some bugs appear if you're going to be using, say using a, um, a compost tea and, you spray some fine eggs of some kind of bug onto your plants, then you might see some problems. It's not likely, but there is that potential that it would happen because when you're using stuff from outside and bringing it into the grow room, you could carry some stowaways in there as well. So be careful of that shit. I would think that your probability of carrying eggs in a, in a tea are going to be low. I'm not going to say impossible like you, Mackie. Yeah, we all yeah. know that things happen. But I mean, straining straining the liquid off of a tea and feeding that to a plant because you know you filter it. You're not you're not just dumping yeah. everything on. That's it. right. Yeah. Filter your shit, and you know, make sure you do it well so there's no big bits in there that's going to clog up your pumps and you and you uh, you know, your air pumps and your water pumps and shit. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. want to make sure that 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 stuff don't get clogged. So always filter out whatever you're going to be using. Don't just get compost and put it on top of the pots and then water it in like you would do in a soil. Don't mm -hmm. do that with your uh, with your cocoa. That wouldn't Absolutely be a great not, idea. No, yeah. no I'm always, always feeding teas, only teas in, in my cocoa. Now, mm -hmm. the, another challenge that you have is I have noticed that the cocoa does deteriorate faster when I'm using microbes. So at the end of the grow, when I go to wash my cocoa and get the roots out, it's a little bit more of a challenge. So I just have to treat the cocoa a little bit differently. Now I always put in at least 50% brand new cocoa on every grow just to keep it fresh enough. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I might even add a little extra vermiculite in there or perlite in it to kind of air it, okay. help it keep it airy or, or something like that. Mm -hmm. But in, in, I don't use the recycled cocoa on my seedlings because seedlings roots much more sensitive. So mm -hmm. I'll, use, I'll use new cocoa and new perlite for all the seedlings. And then when I pot them up, the other stuff will come into play. The roots are more mature and they can handle stuff better. See, as close as we grow together, like as, between you and I, our, uh -huh. our styles in cocoa, they're close, but there's little differences. Like I won't uh -huh. pot up, um, but yeah, that's yeah. mainly because I'm running autos. So, and but I'm also, also... You've also got a bigger tent. Uh, well, I'm only running <laughs> two small tents now. Well, you, of, your small tents, one of yeah, your small tents, your small tents all still of my tents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all three of my yeah. tents don't well, can fit inside of a four by four, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, that's right. You do run yeah. a smaller tent. They're small. So, yeah. so, I could, so starting in smaller pots allows me to start earlier and I can start more of them in a small tent. And then as the other tents free up, I get to move them out. Yeah. yeah. So that potting up, it, like you said, it, it's, Almost necessity for me, and I've gotten so used to it. It's 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 a no brainer. What do you think I'm about just, all this I'm so far, Marge? Is this intriguing for you? Yeah, it is actually. I was curious too. You were mentioning that these organic amendments can encourage bugs in a like in a cocoa grow or something like that. But are you just talking about like fungus gnats that you might just have to control the population of fungus gnats that might pop yeah, up? Yeah, just that? the standard books. And this is if you just right. get in there from, I mean, if you're buying stuff off the the shelf in the hydro store, then you're not going to get bugs from that kind of organic stuff. Because right. mm -hmm. they make it extremely alkaline. So everything fucking dies in it. But if you're oh, using yeah. compost tea from outside in your back garden and stuff you've made yourself, then there's just a potential that you could carry some eggs in. You know, just yeah, right. try and be as clean as possible. You're not, like you're going to get a scoop of it and you might get eggs under your fingernails and just bring them in inadvertently in, in that way. Or if you're using a big mister spray, then maybe small eggs for spider mite eggs or something might be right. able to get through there. It's not likely, but you just, you just be careful, you know, just uh, bear that in mind when you're doing this kind of thing. Don't try and carry some tiny eggs under your fingernails or on the bottle or anything like that into the grow room because keeping the bugs away is the best thing to do. But yeah, fungus gnats, spider mites, yeah, just uh, the general kind of bugs, nothing too horrific, things you can deal with anyway, but it's just best not have them there in the first place. In a soil grow doing that kind of thing, because there's a more uh, diverse set of mm -hmm. microbes and shit living on the plant and in the soil, 
that they would probably eradicate your urbanities out. You know, you get that e whole economic threshold thing. But it's not the same in hydro because it's pretty much a sterile system. Whatever you introduced to it could thrive, you know, and be a, a monoculture of just some nasty shit. So mm -hmm. just bear that in mind when you're using this kind of stuff. But it's a so good idea to... Sorry, Bubble. I was just going to say, is as far as monkey, when you're, you obviously hand feed, you're not using a res. Um, yeah, this I, time I, this time around, you're correct. I, I usually use a res, but this time around, I've been hand feeding. Right. But, okay, because because yeah. I find I find on that part with the bugs and all that sort of thing, because I use I just have like a hot shot, um, the mosquito bits just sitting mm -hmm. in like a in a uh, an old like what do they call them fucking pantyhose thing, um, mm -hmm. and that just yeah. sort of floats in in the res because I'm then adding. Uh, my teas to the res and then feeding i think that probably negates a lot of things that you've brought in from outside mm -hmm. um, but i'm also extremely clean when i go into my my grow room so i'm not going from outside messing around in dirt and things and then just walking straight into the into the grow room because that's how you get mm -hmm. spider mites and shit mm -hmm. and i don't want to deal with that so <laughs> same here i'll actually shower after i cut the grass before i even think about going in the grow room put new clothes on all that stuff yeah yeah and my mosquito bits dunks whatever they're in my rain barrel same basic thing it's just you know right okay that way i don't have to worry about it they're outside and the mosquitoes aren't going to get me there either so Okay. But we're doing so, like again, we're doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just different ways of doing the same thing. Pretty much. Yeah. So now we are, we talk about how to apply these organic amendments. You know, and as we mentioned, a good way to do it is just foliar feeding. You just foliar spray the plant once a week or something. And again, only do this during veg. You don't want to do that kind of stuff during flower and get water and these different things on your buds because it can encourage mold to grow. And, you know, you're going to have nasty contaminants on your flowering. You don't want that. Only be doing this during the veg stage with the foliar feed. But if you're in cocoa or soilless medium, you can, like monkey does, you, you say do it once a week, monkey, on a, on the second half of a Wednesday. It's a soil yeah. drench once. I used Wednesday as a typical whatever, but it, it, each grow is going to be slightly different. But I have mm -hmm. I have microbe day, yes. Just and once a week. Micro once a week. And, it's and, a you, and with that, regular it, it, grow. Yeah, you're just using the uh, the microbe tea or the, the organic amendments, and then you're not putting any salt-based nutes in for that one feed. For that one feed, you're correct, and it works mm -hmm. just fine. The, the plants don't even – actually, they seem happier. You know, yeah. it's like – I guess it's a varying the diet slightly, if you will. And like we said as well, this isn't a replacement for the synthetic nutrients. You still need to use the salt-based nutrients with your hydroponic yeah. growth because that's – available to the plant and the plant is going to be using it these are amendments these are additions to the plant's diet so you're going to be putting more microbes in there some bacteria possibly some fungi and possibly some nutrients as well but you want to be using the salt-based nutrients just to make sure the bases are all covered and then everything from the organics is extras which the plant might enjoy alongside the salt-based nutrients right and when i'm applying these microbe drenches they are being ph balanced before they go in so I'm making sure they're like five, eight to six oh, something in that zone going right into the cocoa. So mm -hmm. you don't they don't affect the roots at all. And it seems like the, the microbes aren't being affected by that little bit of adjustment right there. So is there any downsides to doing any of this? Do you think? Do you think that there's any reason why people shouldn't uh, try to introduce some organics into their hydroponic setups? If you're um if you if you're doing it in the cocoa system and running a res. One downside you're going to see is your res is going to drip more. It just yeah. happens. Um, so for me, I just I, I just check the res daily. As I walk by the tent, any time during the day, I'll check it. And if, I find that if I adjust it once a day, I'm good for the rest of the day. The second feeding is fine. I don't have to worry about it. Right. So by all you're means, that, that pH. Yeah, yes, or... exactly. pH of the res. You, and you know, it's going to drift. One drawback is it's extra work. You know, uh, these extra things that you have to do. It's not going to do it itself. <laughs> the compost yeah. tea won't make itself and shit. You have to go out there and get this shit done, you know? And and even if you're buying the bottles of the compost stuff and adding that, it's extra work because you got more things to add now. So mm -hmm. it is a little extra work no matter what you do. And then you're going to have to uh, judge for yourself whether that extra work is worth the reward. And that's right. It is definitely potentially worth it. We've heard a lot recently, and there seems to be some decent studies that are showing that microbes and bacteria in the grow, especially during the flowering stage, 
adds more terpenes to the grow and makes it taste better, you know, and taste and smell better because of these different bacteria and microbes get into the trichomes and just make it smell and taste more. So you want to try it out, you know, try it out on maybe a couple of plants, not all of them, just, but you definitely want to give it a shot, especially if you're in a medium like cocoa or, you know, a soilless medium. With the DWC, oh. NFT and things like that, again, you have to be a little bit more careful because things yeah. can get frothy and, you know, it can just yeah. develop into nastiness. My advice for that would just be stick with the, uh, the sterile medium in the buckets keep it sterile but do some foliar feeding during the veg and that can maybe make a difference there right any drained away system it's worth trying though at least mm -hmm. you know it's worth you may not you may not like it you may go back to the old way but i definitely think it's worth a shot mm -hmm. uh, is there any precautions you should take when using organic amendments in hydroponics hmm Can't check the pH Make sure the pH is still between 5.8 and 6.2. Don't just that, leave it to be a random thing. Yeah, I guess we should say that. But I mean, that almost goes without saying. Anytime you're talking in a hydroponic system, it's always mm -hmm. check your pH, check your pH. Yeah, and just, you know, be careful of bugs and contaminants. Just be careful of those kind of things. Be as clean as you can. Don't try and bring anything into the grow room that isn't supposed to be there. Yeah, I mean, that that is a concern. But I'll have to say, even feeding worm teas and JMS, or Mackie said, uh, things and I really haven't taken any extra precautions. I just I have been following the instructions on how to make the stuff, and I haven't seen any bugs in my growth. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so hey, after, after after a year of doing this, it hasn't caused me any infection yet. Sweet. And you, you've mentioned some things there as well, like the JMS and the uh, Lactobacillus, and our friend Chris Trump, who's been on the show many many times. He has a great YouTube channel that will give you instructions on how to make all of this kind of stuff very yes. easily. The so, WCA included. So yes, mm -hmm, it's out mm -hmm. there. So go and check out his channel if you're thinking about doing any of this kind of stuff. It's definitely worth it if you're in cocoa. Add some organics to the media. Yeah. It'll and make if you a want difference. to actually go to a, a, a actual organic cow mag, homemade cow mag, come to Percy's as a recipe up on the site. Mm -hmm. uh, it was put up there, but I believe it was Sparky put that recipe up there yeah. on how to make your own cow mag, organic homemade cow mag. And there is a guide on how to make lactobacillus over on Percy's as well. So if you want to that's do that, and, and that's that's so easy to make. Yeah, but you should really do that. And that should be like the first thing you do is make some lactobacillus. It is the first one I did. It's so easy. And yeah, you will see. I saw a big improvement with the lactobacillus when I, when I fed it. The plants did respond very quickly. Mm -hmm. So easy to do if you've got some old milk that's about ready to go that's so easy so simple yeah milk and rice and some time and you, you're good to go yeah and nice for easy. me i actually i cheated i used the uh the runoff the, from a little bit of yogurt which is yeah know, high in lactobacillus <laughs> and i didn't even need the rice i just inoculated the milk with the yogurt culture and mm -hmm. there i go mm -hmm. i got it i was in oh. so quick cool. yeah, that's the way i've been looking at going but um, but every time I go to the shops, I just forget to grab that jug of yogurt. So because because uh, I, I, I eat flavored yogurts, but you can't use a flavored yogurt to do that. Like it doesn't. I don't know. I mean, try it. You probably it might, probably it might. could. <laughs> depend on the depend on the yogurt. <laughs> That'd be weird. Pasteurized, stirred, and all that stuff like that. You know. Yeah. But yeah, the runoff of sour cream will also work. Yeah, that's a good point. Sour cream. Cream cheese. Not cream cheese. Um. Cottage cheese will also work. Any any dairy product, the the, uh, the whey off of a dairy product usually has lactobacillus in it. Oh, okay. So you probably wouldn't want something flavored in that case. And you probably want full fat. Would that be also probably accurate? Because a lot of flavored um, are really low fat. I yeah. actually, the first one I did was off of a uh, fruit on the bottom Greek yogurt, you know, kind of thing. Like oh. light Greek and it worked perfectly. Okay. Yeah, see, it's the Greek yogurt part. That's that's the part that I've been told. It has to be something like a Greek yogurt that's like with, pot set. With oh yeah, with that um tartness in, in in it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the lacto that's giving it that bite. Huh. Right. So lots of good information there for you, everybody. And of course, if you have any questions and need any help with this whole using organic amendments in hydroponics, then you can find us over at PersiusGrowroom.com. It's a cannabis growers forum. So if you're growing cannabis, it's a nice place for you to be and learn loads of stuff there. It's a nice community. So if you're not already a member, then get signed up. And if you are a member and you need any help, you know that all you have to do is start a thread and ask a question. And there's going to be plenty of help for you with this kind of stuff. So don't be shy.
But for now, we should move. We have uh, just a few listener mail questions that we should cover. And there's one specifically for Marge, yes. which was from Monkey. Yes. Monkey, do you want to ask Marge this question? Yeah, I've been watching all your Instagram posts on these these beverages, and I'm interested in trying it. I've never infused sugar. Is there anything different I need to know about infusing sugar? Because I've only ever done oil. Uh, usually I do I do honey a lot. That's the one that I like. You mentioned in the question corn syrup and agave, and I feel like they would probably work very similarly. Uh -huh. Corn syrup can be interesting too, because a lot of that's used when you're making certain candies, like yes. gummies if you're doing them from scratch. So that would be, mm -hmm. I've been wanting to try that. I just haven't gotten around to it yet, but mm -hmm. I usually use honey. And what was your question? <laughs> how, how do I get the infusion go? Do I need to do the heat? Do I need temperatures, num numbers? What do I need to Oh, yeah, know? yeah. It's sort of the same process. I've done it before with Keef, and you, like, I did it on the pot, like the water in a jar on the on the stove if you know what i'm talking about yes, I, like yeah, a water bath water bath yeah. yeah 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 so i've done it that way and then i kind of blended it in the end to make sure all the keef was sort of interspersed if you will and that's worked very well and then i've done it in machines too like i just got a levo 2 oil infuser and i've done honey in that as well mm -hmm. okay yeah, yeah that that thing looks like the bee's knees uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. I could give some horror stories about that, but those things. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> that, that thing is really cool. I have actually three infusion devices now, and I would say there are some perks to it. But you it, put your... don't like you can't only put eight grams yes. of, of cannabis into two right. cups of oil. That's it. That's right. that's that is the problem right there for me. Yeah, yeah that's that ain't the, gonna work. And for depending me. on the person, that might be fine if you want to do like infusions a lot, or you have you can use. I think. It, I should have to look into it to see if you can use concentrates or not in that thing. But yeah, it doesn't hold a lot of flour. That's the problem. The, okay. the problem with concentrates, I tried, I, I went, I tried this and I put hash in here. So I took like eight grams of hash and I was going to, okay, I got, I got to decarb it. Stupid me didn't realize that you can't just set it down in the bottom of the level and decarb it because it's like a hot plate. Oh no! Oh, so and so it, it basically <laughs> opened it up, and uh, yeah, I got a good buzz off the hash smoke coming out of it. <laughs> right? Uh, uh, yeah. Still had to put it in the in the yeah. little pod. Yeah. The, yeah. The bottom, the bottom of, of the levo is like is like a hot plate. It gets hot, and then right. the, the temperature probe is in midair, just in in the tub. And so right. it got really hot before that, that the chamber got up the temperature. Right. So, yeah. Ouch. <laughs> can, yeah, can I just add there as well? Bubble, I did get that pun there about the bee's knees. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody said anything. I was like, how can you let that go? Gosh. Yeah. Uh, Gosh. Look, you know, I was, I was, it is what it is. I was like, okay, that's fine. Comical genius, bro. Genius. It went straight over <laughs> my head. Yeah. Thanks, right. thanks, guys. Back to the question. Honey is probably my favorite one to infuse because it's so okay. versatile. I've done maple syrup as well because I'm canadian of course so, <laughs> so, I <can> just, <laughs> so i can use just regular flour and follow the same process as i would uh with with yeah, oil, any oil because yeah. honey will get really like liquidy when it's warmed up too okay yeah i'll give it a shot i got plenty of weed yeah i got to buy now i'm getting some honey yeah yeah man how much would you put in the honey do you have you got a, an estimate no no you <laughs> Just uh, like fuck around and find out kind of shit. That's yeah, that's, like, that's me. Yeah. Tolerances vary so much. Like I could say for one person, maybe you know a half quarter, an eighth, whatever you want to call it. Henry, um, no a half quarter. Yeah. <laughs> half Henry. quarter. That's what we call it in Ontario. But um, I, it always depends on a person's tolerance. So it's really I find it tricky sometimes. Because if you do little, it's not going to be very potent. I've done that. So one of the first batches of stuff I made in the Levo, I, it was just like a CBD infusion, but it mm. was so not potent that it didn't even register on my tea check. <laughs> it's right. just like, okay. oh. And that's what so, I had problems with the Levo. So I actually, yeah. I, I don't even use the baskets anymore. I just dump the weed straight in. And then I'll, after it all comes out, I'll filter it remotely. So, yeah. Right. Right. So are yeah, you, pros and cons to all the devices for sure. Yeah. Are you um adding anything like a little bit of vinegar to stop the um the honey crystallizing when you're making your infusions? Oh no, I don't. Okay. Yeah. I was just just a thought because someone <laughs> did mention it in chat. Um right. in South Silly. And 
it splits it into a flavored sugar water. But I've always found that using like honeys and stuff like that, I get more crystallization. And if I add a little bit of vinegar, it tends to stop that. Nice. Um, like same what? as if you're making like a, a toffee. So we're talking like um, a know, like drop a, or two? Yeah, it doesn't have to be much. Um, okay. Like a, it depends on how much honey you're using. Mm -hmm. um, but generally, if I'm going, say, 100 <clears throat> mil of honey, it'll only be a few drops just to, right. to stop it. 100 mil of honey is not very much. Yeah, so, exactly. That's what I mean. It's, it's yeah, yeah. Um, because then, then obviously you're messing with the flavors and things like that. So, um, mm -hmm. but that was an old chef trick. So either lemon juice or something acidic, something acidic helps stop and balance that a little mm. bit better. So sounds nice. I'll I'll remember that when I no. do it. Somebody nice. put in the chat too that the magical butter is a better machine. And for a lot of people, if you're making a lot of infusions and you want big batches, it's definitely. A preferred way to go probably the levo is great for certain applications or for depending on the type of edibles you're doing but magical mm -hmm. butter is like the larger capacity is the magical butter uh does it decarb no that's the only other drawback yeah. that's the reason why i like the ardent too because the yeah yeah you need to have them all it. don't you yeah yeah and the, <laughs> the one thing i like about the ardent as well is that it's um super simple like the actual device is like just a big canister yeah so there's no like pieces that will break off or like replacement parts or like any of that stuff they're expensive it's unreal it's like for that simple of a device i looked at it I said you really you want that much for that yeah but yeah. it's related to, it's related to cannabis so there you go yeah right see i'm yeah. old school i'm ovens and and stove tops which right. gets a little dangerous when you mess with <laughs> alcohols and things um yeah. because we're on gas stoves so that's Ooh. why i bought yeah that's why i bought the um I bought the distiller because I find with the water distiller, I can then obviously catch more mm -hmm. and, and then reuse the alcohol. Um, and I don't blow myself in my kitchen to shit. So that's always an added bonus, not burning right. my house down. Um, yeah. Cause I have yeah, a gas stove too, so I can't do that, but the magical butter you yeah. can put alcohol <laughs> into, which you can't All do. Right, okay. Devices. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, uh, you got anything to add there monkey? Oh, no, this, it wasn't an important point. Let it go. All right. Because we have a question here from Billy Bonds, which was something that I was thinking about this week as well. And I seen this question and it was like, oh, cool. I was thinking about that this week. But he says, uh, can you use animal hemp bedding as a top dress for living soil? Yeah. So, yeah, pretty much you can, Billy. You just have to uh, make sure that it's clean, you know, because this kind of stuff could be treated with different chemicals. And you don't want that stuff getting into your living soil, you know, if it's got like bleaching and shit to clean it of any bacteria before it gets put into an animal's bedding, for example, then, you, you know, that shit's going to leach into your soil if you're not careful. So you have to make sure you get a good type that's not treated with some kind of chemicals and shit. But yeah, you can so, use it, man. And sorry, what you, were you guys going to say? Are you talking about like the, where they just grind up all the hemp and it's kind of like the comes in a, a brick bag like a bag in a brick or something like that yeah yeah and it's like straw <clears throat> yeah oh. right okay yeah yeah so used for rabbits and and uh, guinea yeah, pigs yeah. i would think them them kind of animals so you just have to make sure but it doesn't have any of them contaminants and chemicals and shit in there and then it would be cool to use uh then you just have to know how quickly it decomposes and things like that as well you know you're going to put it on the top and then after a week or so how much of it has been dissolved into the soil and how, what kind of nutrient content it has as well. That's an important point, but you have to uh, consider how much nitrogen, you know, MPK, how much is in it when it's broken down, how much is going into the soil. You know, the, the pH of it is important as well. You know, if you're adding that to the top and it's too acidic, then it's going to fuck up your soil and then your plant's not going to be able to eat the, uh, the nutrients properly because it needs to be around that 6.5 to 7.5 uh, kind of pH range. You don't want to make the pH buffer struggle too much. So what was start the off reasoning? by using a look. Sorry. What was the reasoning for using it oh, as a top dress? Okay. Yeah. As yeah. a top dress, you know, to feed to the plants <laughs> and live in soil, which you, yeah. Cause a lot of people like to use straw and, and shit like that on top. And it, it helps keep, keep the water in the medium for longer as well. You know, it's not evaporating off and it just gets broken down. It feeds the microbes. It, it does a lot of good shit using straw on top of the yeah. medium, but it's just I've getting seen... the straw, you know, that's the problem. I've seen rice hulls as well. That tends mm -hmm. to be one mm -hmm. that people use. Yeah, it's a good um, one. 
Yeah, yeah but the, the uh, animal bedding is cheap, and it? it's cheap as fuck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So nice, easy, cheap plant food to use if you can get hold of it. So, you know, just uh, put a little thin layer on top of the living soil, like you would do with a normal top dressing, and just, uh, you know, see how it goes from there and increase it gradually as you move on. Don't get too carried away with it. But, yeah, it's a good question, man. I saw that and I thought it was an interesting one. Because I was, I was out in the shop at some point this week and I saw a shitload of animal bedding, like the straw. I was like, hmm, I wonder if you could use that as a top dressing. Interesting hmm. question. Yeah. So if you've tried goodies, it, let us know. Yeah, that, that'll be a good thing, actually. Yeah, let us know over on Percy's if you've tried that shit and it worked out for you. Or if you got infected with bugs and shit. That, because that's what would concern me the most is what is on that stuff. You know, has it been cleaned properly? If so, what's it been cleaned with? And has the cleaner been removed from the uh, the straw as well? And if it hasn't been cleaned, what kind of bugs and contaminants are left on it from there? Is there going to be dirt, clay, dust, you know, spider mite eggs? You know, all, all this shit needs to be considered. Uh, let us know how it goes, man. Give it a shot for sure, but just use a small amount and build it up. So, yeah, Twisted's just saying there he got mites from straw. You have to be very yeah. careful with what you bring it into the grow room. Always, man. Even if it is organic, you know, and then if it hasn't got bugs on it, it's been treated with something. So that has to be taken into consideration as well. What kind of chemicals are on that shit? Just be careful with it, man. Be careful. Read read the ingredients on the back. Uh, and then we have one more question. The, the uh, from Filmy Bowls, and this was a bit of a shitty question. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Well done. Well done. <laughs> Uh, Naki, this may be the craziest question ever. Everyone knows diapers, uh, that's nappies here in the UK, just translation. Uh, diapers hold liquid for a long time. Do you think a cannabis plant could grow in the stuff that's inside of a diaper instead of the standard hydroponics grow media? And no, not, not my used diapers. <laughs> but, but you could essentially use the used ones, man. The, the, the plants do like shit. Just depends on what kind of shit it is. Yeah. Depends on the strain, yeah, of course. Mm. You know? mm -hmm. So, so mm. monkey, you seem to have had this one covered. You went and got a link uh, and stuff, right? I saw it on, on there and I actually wanted to look it up. And the thing is, he asked about hydroponic system. And first of all, I have to say, I don't think it would be acceptable for a hydroponic system simply because these gel gel pellets that are in the diapers are intended to soak up the water and not actually cycle water through. Mm, mm. And that's the important part of, of any hydroponic system is we have to be able to flush and remove the waste from the system. And I feel like if you would try and grow in, in these basically gel pellets, that any exudates that the plant may put in the, in the pellets is going to stay there and you won't be able to clear it. So I would say no on that. And that's based strictly upon a, a scientific opinion but I also who cares about up... scientific opinion? Huh? <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But anyway, I went a little bit further and said, how can you use these things in growing plants? So actually, there are, are sites on the Internet dedicated for how to use diaper granules to help you grow plants. And it basically says you take cheap diapers, open them up, take the granules out, soak them with water. And you're going to mix the these saturated granules about 50-50 with your soil and plant in it. And it sounds like a great idea, a great thing to find. But at the end of the, end of the articles, every one of them talks about, well, you, you shouldn't put anything, you shouldn't grow any, any consumable or edible items in this type of stuff because we don't know mm -hmm. what's being yeah. released by the gels. Mm -hmm. and so strictly mm -hmm. for that reason, I would say, nope, don't do it. Yeah, because they're not really designed for that. They're designed for soaking up basically like yeah yeah but oh, they, work, would have thought they, they work yeah. well yeah. in house plants if they're just decorative though it helps, right you know so you won't have to water them as much but nah, is this a less expensive option though than just buying something that's actually meant for plants of any kind no not really because they say that while you can buy these type of uh pellets these gel pellet things in nurseries they say they're they're multiple times more expensive if you buy them from the nursery than if you go buy the cheap nasty diapers and just use those but right. the ones in the nursery are intended for that purpose right and so those, you can those your cannabis yeah. plants or something if you want maybe maybe i think right. for me i would do a little more research on it before i would 
uh, completely go with it. But for the question being a, a question of hydroponics, it would be no, I wouldn't do it in hydroponics. Because I thought they were like the Orbeez gel balls. Yeah, so like the mm. same same kind of idea. It'd, it'd be much cheaper to go and buy, or even the gel blasters. You know, the the they're like a an airsoft yeah. gun, but they they just use the gel balls instead. That'd be the same sort of thing, and I would assume that they'd probably be better than using a diaper gel, considering the diaper gels would have things like um, you know scent controls and and mm. all of that in there. That it's all the sort of stuff of you really, yeah, you really don't want that in that. Um, but if it's, as you said, like an ornamental or something like that, then yeah, I, I suppose just, you know, give it a shot if you, yeah. but oh, what's I that? Is that perlite? No, no, it's yes. nappy. Uh, it's <laughs> nappy sand. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, God damn. But how you'd be expensive, wouldn't it? Buying diapers, aren't diapers expensive? That's what I'm thinking. I don't see how they can be any cheaper than buying the stuff from the nursery. Cause you've got to buy a whole package of diapers. They're not cheap. What they yeah. said though was buy the cheapest diapers you can find. Find buy the uh, dirt cheap ones, not the not the good ones. But uh, okay. dirt cheap is still expensive. <laughs> I think. I, don't know. I also feel like there's a big environmental cost as well to like mm. buying diapers for the sake of ripping them open and putting them in your plants. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Because you, I mean, they 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 do talk in the article about how you can actually use the 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 entire diaper in your your potted plant. But I'm thinking like I don't want to do that. Uh, yeah. Right. Remove the inner liner, put everything in the bottom, punch holes in the bottom so that it drains through the plastic, yada, yada, yada. But why? Yeah, yeah this seems like some, there's yeah. a better way. Yeah. Use some vermiculite yeah. or something like that. Stop trying to reinvent the wheel, man. Like, right. right. Well, right. Well, back in the day, I remember using uh, those compressed cellulose sponges and I would just chop, I would run through a paper shredder, basically, and, and put that in my soil back in the day. And it worked fine. And then that seems the, to make uh, more sense. Yeah, the cellular yeah. sponges would basically yeah. just uh, decay in the plant medium. Right. right. I just think this question takes the piss a bit. Yeah. <laughs> did, did, you did you get it? Did you get it? It's a shitty question. What do you mean? <laughs> it's a bit on the nose. <laughs> oh, God. It gets, they're all getting bad here. God, uh... Anyway, one more, which was popped up earlier on in, in the chat here. And we'll cover this one and then we'll call it a day. But we have one we've got there from uh, Silas Sin. It says, I have an actual question. When growing salts in soil during flower, do y'all feed every water or every other? So, and this is, a, I don't know with the whole salt. I've never grown in soil with salt. So I don't know about this, man. Does any of you guys know about this? It's in every other mm -hmm. thing is what I've yeah, always it's... heard. I've, and when I, when I grow, I, I grow flowers and whatnot. And when I do use salts, it's not every time. Uh, I've, I've always been a, it's a, a feed water, water feed. Mm -hmm. um, Cause you don't right. want those salts building up and you've already got nutrients and stuff in that soil anyway, or at least you should have, uh, it's going to hold onto it a little bit more, especially considering you're not flushing as heavy as you would in a cocoa run. Right. Um, so you, you would, yeah, that's the way I've, I was always taught was water, water feed. Um, at least every other, maybe two, two to one is what you're saying, bubble. Yeah. Yeah. Two waters to one feed. Yeah. Pretty wouldn't, much. Wouldn't that's, that's be, been, wouldn't it be a good idea to just like feed every water in but a, a lower EC. So there's always something constantly available for the plant. Is it because they're doing it that way, like feeding and then two water ins and then feeding two water ins? It, I think the amount in the soil is diminishing with every water in, right? I think you're you're thinking cocoa here, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's it's more of the the buildup of the salts in the medium itself because you're going to have in soil it tends to hold a lot more of those salts than what cocoa will because right. of that whole the way you're flushing it right i see um, what you mean yeah yeah because mm -hmm. in cocoa but, it'll um, just come out the bottom in soil it's going to stay in there yeah it's going to sort of hold in and then because you're running a dry phase as well so because mm -hmm. you're, you're letting that soil dry out before you then feed again um it's kind of compounding because you don't you never let or you shouldn't let cocoa dry out for that exact reason it holds the salts um so yeah, I mean, so are you getting runoff with these when, when you're, are you getting runoff with any of these, like in soil with cocoa, you're getting 10% runoff with every, every feed. Is that the same principle in soil? Um, 
Yes and no. I think more like I I have in the past, I've let the the water feed have a bit more runoff. Um, and I generally just let that waste. Um, I won't let it re-soak, but if I'm running a feed, I'll let that soak back in. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not running like nowhere near as much as you would in a cocoa for runoff. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're only getting it just until you're seeing it slightly dribble out the bottom of the pot and, yeah, little, um, and that or should none. be enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sweet. But that's about all the questions that we have then. We covered a lot right there. That was a few good questions as well. Uh, a nice, uh, a few different questions, you know, mixed it all up a bit there. A lot was covered. And we covered a lot in that amendments for the organics as well, the organic amendments for hydroponic cells. A lot was covered there too. Uh, I'd say it was a damn good show. Damn good show. Damn good feel? show. Yes, sir. Damn good show. Yeah. You got something to <laughs> Yeah. I was going to tell the cocoa people, give it a try with the organic stuff. You know, hey, it, yeah. it's your it's your grow. Try mm. it. If you don't like it, don't do it. Yeah. That's right, man. You got to try these new things. Don't just get stuck in a rut and grow the same way for ten years and shit. That's just boring, man. This Think is your what hobby. else you can grow. Experiment, yeah. you know. Experiment. Give that shit. Grow the go. best weeds you can. Find mm-hmm. a better way. Mm-hmm. And microbes will definitely help you do that. Give it a shot, and maybe try some living soil at some point because that's fun too. You know, yeah, don't I think home growers are probably the pickiest cannabis consumers out there. You know. Yeah, we're pests. We are. <laughs> we even picky on our own stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah, I've yeah. opened a jar and gone, nope. Not, not today. today. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> And there we go, everybody. That's this week's Grow Guides. In next week's episode, we're going to be talking about beneficial bacteria to be using in your cannabis plant's root zone for better growth, better nutrient exchange, better root growth, all sorts of things like that. You can catch it next Friday on the Grow Guides, or you can find us live on YouTube every Sunday at 9 p.m. UK time, 4 p.m. Eastern, and 1 p.m. Pacific. You can just head over to youtube.com slash homegrown, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and you'll be able to find us every Sunday over there live. It'll be good to see you in the live chat if you are free sometime but if not no problem just thanks for being here thank you for downloading the show i hope you enjoying the grow guide series there's lots of them so far so make sure you go back and check on any of the previous episodes if you have any questions about anything we really do cover loads of stuff in all of the grow guides so far so as usual thank you for being here thank you for downloading the show i hope you enjoyed this episode and hope to catch you on the next one stay high stay safe and we'll see you then goodbye